What do you know about that, man? <laughs> That was pretty fun. <laughs> hey, I, I was hatching them on that uh, that beaver one, whichever one it was. Sweet beaver. Sweet beaver. Oh, yeah, they, they, yeah. The sweet beaver's a big one, smally beaver's a little it, one. It was a sweet beaver. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're a good bait. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Well, let's get started. Yep. Right. I'm uh, Chase Winnegar, host of the podcast, Lee McClellan, co host of the podcast. I hope everyone's doing great. And today's guest, Brent McCarty. Thank you for having me, guys. Br Always excited to be here. Always excited. That's what I was getting at. You've been here before. Yes. So, for those people who are maybe late to the game, what's your job title? Tell me what you do. Right now or normally? Right now. Right normally, now. just in general. <laughs> well, you know, with all the retirements uh, with yeah. Fish and Wildlife here lately, uh, with state government in general here lately, right now I'm Acting Assistant Director of the Information and Education Division. So the summer camps and the R3 program fall under me right now. Gotcha. But normally I am the... Uh, administra it's all, it's, it sounds very important, um, administrative branch manager in charge of the recruitment, retention, and reactivation branch, the, the R3 R branch. R3 branch. Yes. Yep. Recruitment, retention, reactivation. We want, you, we want to recruit you into hunting, fishing, trapping, boating. We want to uh, retain you if, you if you're already doing it, uh -huh. and we want to reactivate you if you've lapsed. So if you used to fish as a kid and you don't anymore for whatever reason, we're going get to you, get you back on board. Gotcha, gotcha. And that includes the hunter education program. It includes the national archery in the schools program. It includes all of our aquatic education yeah. efforts, which is a fancy way of saying teaching people to fish. And it includes, we have specific R3 specialists that do classes just for adults yeah, as well. Makes sense. And I mean, in some way, shape or form, everybody who hunts and fish is touched by the R3 program. If it didn't help get them into it, then there's things going on to help retain folks like me. You don't have to work too hard to keep me around. No. You, you know what no. I mean. Oh. But uh, so you said NAS program. Yes. The other day we went out below Barkley Dam <sighs> with a couple of NASP kids. Yeah. So did you know that that's who you're out there with? T. Sanchez and oh and what's her Paige. name? Paige. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. T. Sanchez who has the shortest first name in the world. Yes. I said T. how do you One spell letter. that? <laughs> I remember him from yeah. doing the release and being at some of the NASP. But so we went out with these two uh, NASP shooters and we were bow fishing below Barkley Dam, right? And the reason we were with these two is because, I mean, they're both really good. They both shot perfect scores. Um, both of them had received a $20,000 scholarship through the NAS program. And T. Sanchez is actually on a, a full ride to Lindsey Wilson for archery. Archery. So, I mean, these kids, good deal. Are, it's yeah. a good example of mm -hmm. I mean how shooting NASP and archery in, in the school programs are doing a lot for people. I mean, because that's... I would have killed to have had those scholarships, you know, back when I was coming out of high school and going to college, especially now that I have student loans. <laughs> you know, I, I would have appreciated them so much more now than I would have known back when I was in high school. But have you seen the video clip on our Facebook page? I, I love that video clip. Yeah, well, it's it's, it's kind of similar to the electrofishing clip that we posted the other day, but it's from boat level. And instead of electrofishing, it just lights. So me and Lee had mentioned on the podcast before that flashing strobing lights were a part of the bath system. Mm -hmm. And that would he, without me prompting it or asking, he said, one thing I really like to do is to flash the lights at these fish because they don't like that. And as soon as he started flashing those lights in the uh, corner of the dam, fish just started jumping like crazy. So, I mean, it kind of makes you think that, yeah, there is something to the strobing lights on the bath system. Sure. 
Sure. Bath bioacoustic fish fence. fence. Fish fence, two Fs. B-A-F-F, bioacoustic fish fence. So I thought that was kind of cool. It illustrates, you know, that these flashing lights really do bother these fish and that that could help along with sound and everything else because you know, Lee, all you got to do is start a motor up and they'll just jump out I of the water. I couldn't believe when I covered the first carp madness how many fish were in people's nets and the size. I mean, I've been fishing Kentucky Lake before and saw schools of unusual fish that didn't look like shad, didn't look like things I'd saw before. And they had the low slung eyes and they were small, you know, big heads, yeah. likely, but maybe silvers, but probably big heads. And they were pulling nets and just heaving and, I mean, dozen after dozen of, you know, That's 20 to 25 pound big heads. That's wild. You know That's what, there, there is one other thing I want to hit on real quick. I was just curious because you said NAS, but I wanted to throw that out there. Um, we had uh, somebody send us a message on Facebook uh, this morning, I believe, Bobby Fraley. And he was asking, he's a listen, he listens to the podcast, says he listens to all of them, which I appreciate. We appreciate it. Yes, yes sir. Um, he was asking about a kayak light kits. He wants to kayak night fish, night fish off his kayak, lakes, rivers, I'm not sure where. But you need navigation lights just like you do on any mm -hmm. other boat, right? So if you're thinking about getting out there on a kayak or a canoe and you're looking for those lights, there are literally ones that will just clamp on or strap on or, you know, you can adhesively attach them to your boat. You can get them for as cheap as 30 bucks. And they're LED lights, mm -hmm. they run on AA batteries. That's what I use. So look into that. I guess that's something that we probably should have covered when we were going over kayaks, but we didn't, so. Also, uh, people don't realize that at night, you know, your kayak is much lower to the ground than a lot of boats are. So oh, yeah. you're, you're hard to see during the day. Yeah. At night, that becomes a big issue. So you have to take this safety precaution. And I uh, I think the more light you have, the better. Well, but, when I night fish out of my kayak, mm -hmm. I mean, I have the nav lights, of course. Mm -hmm. And I always have a headlamp on just for, you know, practical stuff like time baits or whatnot. But I always keep a really bright handheld flashlight too. Mm -hmm. And you know, you can get a fairly cheap flashlight now that's 250 lumens, 300 lumens in a spotlight style light. So if there's a boat coming towards you, you can you know give them a flash or two. I've got a Princeton Tech, and they make some that are designed for kayak fishing. It's the size of a, of a pen knife. Wow! And wow. it doesn't click. You have to twist the uh, the the lens uh, bevel and whatnot to turn it on, so it doesn't turn on in your pocket. But for Two, for how little it is, that thing rocks. Yeah. And it's good 200 feet deep. Sure. So, oh, yeah. I, I love it, a it was 20 bucks. So well, it's the, a, this is, I mean, you guys have touched on something here. It's something we're dealing with as an agency as a whole right now. Um, and you'll see more and more of it coming in the near future. Um, kayaks, to a lot of people, are far less intimidating mm -hmm. than, than your big motorized boats or your standard motorized oh, boats. Yeah, for sure. And they, so you have these people who are inexperienced, maybe don't even know how to swim that feel like they can get out on these kayaks and, and not wear a life jacket for whatever reason. We're having this. Yeah, and, and, and end up drowning. And it's, it's kayaks and it's tubes and it's paddle boards and all these things that are really taking, getting, uh, uh, becoming I've, popular, which I've is fantastic. I've read a little about that lately. And I talked to the co-owner of Canoe Kentucky and he says because it's not motorized, there's a, um, a belief that they're so much safer than right. a motorboat. Yeah. And, and people don't, that don't know like, oh, the water's really high and muddy and roaring. Okay, let's go. Right, right. You know, and right. then they then they go through their second riffle and realize, oh, standing waves that are five feet high are kind of scary and then they're in trouble. Yeah. Um, yep. A lot is just simple inexperience. Before you hit moving water, just go practice on, I a, mean, I'll be on a small lake. I mean, yeah, but still wear your life jacket because a lot of people drown on still water too. I know. Yeah. Well, I always, mean, always wear your PFD when you're paddling. Even though it's hot, just do it. 
I went kayaking below the falls the other day, and that's big water. Mm-hmm. So, of course, I was strapped up, PFD, you know, all my safety stuff. But, uh, I mean, there's areas in Kentucky that, I mean, people drown on two feet deep creeks. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you hit your head and you you sink to the bottom and you're done. So, yeah, wear your life jacket. I actually just got a notification not 10 minutes before we walked in here. Fire and EMS headed down to the falls right now mm. for something. I don't know what. could be a a boat that's disabled or something like that. But. Oh, there was a guy who uh, passed away on the Rockcastle River, I think, in maybe 18 inches of water. So um, he didn't have his PFD on and uh, flipped and... and you know, the thing about a PFD, if you hit your head, it's going to return you to the to the position where your head's above water. My my wife two years ago flipped for the first time on Elkhorn, and it wasn't because she didn't know how to paddle; it's because a spider was in front of her and she forgot she was on a boat and she panicked and dove out of the boat. So um, I look over and I was like, "Why is the manta ray upside down?" And uh, you know, so I I've saved her fishing pole and everything, and um, but. It immediately put her feet in front of her, her head above. She had her PFD on. Yeah. She's religious about it. Her feet above her, her front of her, and her head out of the water. And we pulled over, you know, a good... She didn't lose anything. She didn't hurt anything. Uh, we got the everything that fell out. I usually strap things down, so the only thing she lost was a rod. We got that back. It was bobbing on top. And um, But she feels so much more confident now because she knows if things go bad that that PFD is going to do its job. Sure. So she now it's uh, as long as nobody got hurt, nobody lost anything. It's a laughing. Yes, yes, yes. Now, right? yeah. so. At first it wasn't, and it was cold. It was in October, so yeah. she was cold, and she had waders on. So it kind of said so now. Also, if you paddle with waders on, or if you wade with waders on, wear that wading belt. The reason it's there is not to hold your britches up; it's to keep from water from filling your legs in case you fall. Yeah. Because it gets super heavy, and trying to get out of something that's weighing you down. I was like an anchor. Yeah. 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 And those, I mean, I've had it before and my, your legs fill with water and then you're kind of in trouble. I've had it happen in 18 inches of water and have it because I didn't have my waiting belt on like a fool. Not, now I wear it religiously. Huh. So that's that. why it's there. A lot of people think it's just to keep your waders tight to you, but it's to keep water from filling your legs quickly. That makes sense. Yeah. You know, I love creepy crawlies, snakes, spiders, creepy lizards, all crawlies. the kind of stuff. And I wonder, you know, you always tell people, well, they're harmless. They can't hurt you. They can't hurt you. Well, in this case... <laughs> If you freak out whilst on a kayak, mm-hmm. the spider might hurt you because you might fall into the water, hit your head. And <laughs> <laughs> just, just don't be afraid of them, and you'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah. My, respect and practice before you get out there. Yep. You know, you know yep. for my girlfriend, it would be the exact opposite. She might get hurt trying to go catch a snake or a spider mm-hmm. instead of trying to get away from one. She just is, a, I mean, everything else is fine, but spiders and just send her over the edge. I used to have a, I mean, I, I, know, I was never afraid of spiders, but I, I didn't really, like, go after them. But since, you know, over the last two years or so, I found myself, you know, picking up that wolf spider, that mm-hmm. fishing spider or whatnot. It's kind of weird when you're holding this huge spider oh, in Oh, they're hand. giants. Yeah. Man, they, I've, I had them in, growing up in Bardstown, I saw a few, and it's like, Ugh. You know, those six-spotted <laughs> fishing spiders, or fisher spiders, and uh, some wolf spiders are, I mean, literally the, the size of massive. my Yeah, oh, they're man. massive. I love them because that's you know t- my wife's terrified of spiders and, and uh, that's why you love and she no that's not yeah that's <laughs> she I tell her all the time I was like honey you know they eat the other ones and if we don't want things like black widows and brown recluses around then let the big ones be because they can't hurt yeah. us and they're eating those other little mm-hmm. ones so my son petted a uh, jumping spider for the first time yesterday evening in the in the backyard he's three we were. We were out playing, and I saw one. I picked it up, and I was kind of petting on it, talking, just joking around, baby talking it. And he came up and started petting on it too. And I was like, "Oh, spiders!" There proud you go. Dad moment, moment proud there. dad moment. So <laughs> is, he your, is he your oldest? Yeah, yeah. So your oldest is three, and then the youngest is two. So Bam. 
When are they going to start uh, doing the hunting, fishing thing? He's already been fishing. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, sh I hadn't taken her fishing yet, but he's a lot more patient than she is. Like, he doesn't mind sitting in, around a little bit. She's got to be moving yeah. all the time. Uh, and uh, so he's already been fishing. I hadn't taken him hunting yet, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. So we, we went camping not long ago. Um, my father-in-law and brother-in-laws and nephew and I, and, and and my son asked, can I go? And uh -huh. this was a guy's weekend, you know. And I said, well, buddy, you're not really old enough yet. And he said, hmm, maybe when I'm six. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I, said, I was going to Sure, say. six. Sounds good. I Perfect. think six is a pretty good, I mean, you know, it's different for each parent and each, sure. each kid. Sure. But when I, I mean, I, I see six-year-olds going out there and doing, like, controlled type hunting. Right. So I'm not talking about chasing rabbits around with a shotgun. Right. No <laughs> but, bad. like, you know, deer hunting out of a stand or a blind where you can be sitting right next to somebody and it's a pretty controlled environment. I mean, six or seven seems like a good age for a lot of kids sure. to, to start. Yep. But, and this kind of ties into something I wanted to talk about, before you start hunting, you got to have Hunter Ed. Mm -hmm. You got to have Hunter Ed. Hunter Ed, right. exactly. Yeah. Hunter education, excuse me. Yes. And so, I'd, I'd assume everybody out there who hunts or fishes or has been to conservation camp, because that's a great way to get this, this uh, what am I trying to say? Certification. Certification, yeah. thank you. You're welcome. A good way to get the certification is through conservation camps. That's how I got it. Back when I was a, a kid, I'd say that's probably how Lee got it. Mm -hmm. I got my conservation camp. Yeah, conservation camp. In uh, 1977. <laughs> <laughs> Did you actually need it? Uh, you, the, no, I don't actually need it. So you're exempt. So there's but, a but certain, the, I got it anyway. So everybody born after what day? January, January 1st, 1975. So January 1st, 1975, if you were born after that, after that date. On or after. On or after, you have to have a Hunter Ed certification. In order to hunt in Kentucky, unless you're license exempt. License exempt. Yes. So landowners hunting on their own properties, Okay. Uh, their spouses, and their immediate or their dependent children. That live on the property also. Um, well, tenants who live on the property. And, and, and the tenants, property. their spouses, and their dependent children, yes. That yep. live and work on the property. That's yes. a question yep. we get a lot is, uh, I own this you property. You don't see too many tenants anymore. You know, no, tenant farming is there are some, only, though. Yeah, well, there's I a few. Yeah. I mean, like Jim out there on Southleys. That's true. Mm -hmm. yep. uh, he, uh, he could do it if he wanted to. Yep. But um, so if you aren't a license exempt, you know, landowner right. or dependent or tenant, then you need the Hunter Ed requirement if you're born after or any date in 1975 or, or since, which correct. is going to be the majority of people who are getting into hunting. Sure. Yep. So other than conservation camp, because a lot of us aren't in fourth, fifth, or sixth grade, and we can no longer go to conservation camp, right. how does somebody get the certification? And I should clarify, um, you know, as soon as a landowner goes and hunts on some other property, public property they or somebody else, it. then they become, they're no longer licensed exempt at that point, so therefore they also need hunter education at yeah, that well point Yeah, well, they're, yep. they're licensed exempt. On their own property. Yeah. I'm but making in a hand motion somewhere. as if the people on the podcast are listening to it are going to see yeah. my hand motion. you got That's great different. gestures. <laughs> but, so when, when you get ready to explain how to get your hunter ed certification, people should listen to this because if they have kids or if they, you know, know somebody who might get into hunting or if somebody who has kids that might... I mean, everybody's going to need to know this at some point. Yes. So how do you get Hunter Ed certified? Okay. There are a couple of different ways you can do it. Uh -huh. um, the first is, is the traditional way, which is a, a fantastic opportunity, especially for people who um, maybe aren't as as confident to teach Hunter Ed to their own kids, uh -huh. you know, because um, a lot of people do learn from their their parents or grandparents, aunts, uncles, or whatever, they're the ones that they're out there, you know, making sure that they're learning things properly. Um, but let's say you're, you're not super confident, or maybe you don't hunt at all, and you want your child to go to Hunter Ed because your, your child wants to hunt. Yeah. Um, we do have the traditional course, which is an in-person course that you can sign up uh, through our website. 
Um, we have a, a schedule on there. We have volunteer instructors all over the state, wonderful volunteer instructors all over the state. I think last year we had 355 volunteers log hours, wow. uh, which is just incredible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Hunter Ed has been required since 1991, and it's something we definitely would not have been able to do without the help of volunteers. Yeah. They, they, it would have been impossible. We as an agency don't have the reach necessary without the help of our volunteers. So they've been fantastic. So you can go to these in-person in, in -person classes, and those vary from instructor to instructor. You know, some instructors are more confident in other areas than, than some, so you'll have some that they have videos that they show, or you'll have some that do the whole thing themselves. Yeah. Um, but they're all certified instructors. All so. certified instructors. And uh, you can do it that way. Um, like I said, you get on our website, fw.ky.gov, uh -huh. fw.ky.gov, and uh, you go to education and then hunter education, yeah. and you'll see where that schedule is. And then we also have, um, that, that course traditionally is busted up into two distinct parts. There's the classroom portion of it, mm -hmm. and then there's the range portion of it. And you go and you actually uh, demonstrate um, uh, competency. So it's basically with, safety, right? Yes. It's, yeah. uh, you're showing that you know how to do it safely. You go out and you shoot a gun or bow or an air rifle or a crossbow or something like that. Um, well, we so there's the traditional part. There's two parts to it. Well, then we also have, if you can't go out to an entire traditional class, we have the online portion mm -hmm. of the class. So the classroom portion that I talked about a minute ago can be done online okay. and for years you've been able to do that but and then you need to go and follow up with a range with portion. a range portion mm -hmm. um, for years you've been able to do that online uh, at a cost we have two courses on our website um, huntered.com and huntered.com hunter-ed hunter-ed thank you yes uh -huh. huntered.course.com or hunter-ed.com um, which if you can't remember those, just go to our website. Yeah. And, and you can pay for those courses. And as of July 1 this year, um, we partnered with the NRA and we now offer a free online course uh, in addition to those two. So you've yeah. got the traditional so course. Three options. Two paid courses and, and well, the- So really you have four, four options. options. You can yeah. either go do the in-person um, course and range day, or you can take the online portion online either through either of those three that you just That's named. correct. And then you That's still correct. need to do a range portion after that. That's correct. Yep. Okay. Yep. So how does somebody figure out how to do the range portion? The range portion is also listed on our website, that same area. Okay. So if you go to fw.ky.gov, education, Hunter Education, you'll see it all, all listed there. And it does clearly outline, you know, if you do yep. the online part, you need to do this first, then go, then go to the range. I will say this, because there's a good opportunity right now Yes. Only right now, though. Yes. So if somebody wants to get Hunter Ed certified, their kid, whoever, they can go online and do the online portion. Correct. And then sign up for a free range portion at the Kentucky State Fair. Correct. So the Fish and Wildlife has a booth set up at the State Fair, and they have air rifles and targets, and they offer the range portion of the test at the State Fair mm -hmm. for free. Yes. Yep. So which which they all all the ranges should be free anyway. Yeah. But yes, this is yes in addition to that's correct. So yep. technically, I mean, now that since July first, you said the NRA we partner with them. Now we have a free online correct course. So, I mean, technically, you could take the online portion for free yes. if you want to go with the NRA option, 
and then you could sign up to do your range portion for free at the state fair also. Correct. Just got to pay admission. You can go see a concert, get some corn dogs yep. or mm -hmm. something like that. What did we just so. talk about? Go see the animals, right? Yeah, the, the, the farm animals. Yeah, yeah, I'll do yeah. like the... the yeah. I mean, when I'm at the state fair, I literally walk all that stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, I walk up and down every aisle and every booth and try to see everything. And it seems like... I, and I'm, bag as much free stuff as you possibly can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe some deep fried Oreos. Deep fried uh, Oreos. Know, yeah. I used to make those myself. I need to get back into that. Yeah. Oh. You know, I kind of, I'm trying to be healthy these days, but. That's a lot, of, a lot of Weight Watchers tank. points. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I used to love the State Fair pizza. It was kind of runny, but I don't know, the big slice. Yeah. Kind of runny. Yeah. Well, it's just not real crisp, but I loved it when I was a kid. <laughs> like, and the corn dogs, big giant corn yeah. dogs. Right? Right. Do you ever watch Barstool Sports pizza reviews? No. You guys don't? Uh, okay, they're pretty good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you was talking about the pizza's too runny, you know, not real crisp, and I was thinking of a, how would that get scored. But, yeah, they're, mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's well worth a watch. Probably. Is that the Goodfellas flame up? Did they have a flame up with Goodfellas? Yeah, in Lexington? Yeah. Yeah, that was a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've had Goodfellas, and, you know, I'm not endorsed by them, but I think it was good. So. Well, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but so the State Fair is a good opportunity. I'm going. I don't know which day or which two days I'm going to go. I have so much going on here in the office, I don't think I'm going to go work the booth this year. But I will go down there and make the rounds, you know, see everybody. I'll probably go to a concert. I don't have any choice over which day I go to the concert. That's somebody else's decision. I just go. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, looking forward to all that. Chad's going to be at the State Fair at some point, too, isn't he? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Oh, Thursday. No, it'd be next Thursday, right? Next Thursday. So uh, today is August 15th. Yeah. Yes. And the State Fair goes from today till August 25th, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And Chad's there. I'm almost positive it's next Thursday. The okay. 22nd. That would be next. The 22nd would 22nd. be next Thursday, right? Yeah. If it's, the, it, yeah, that's right. So Chad will be there Pork on. Burger from Kentucky Pork Producers. Uh, Excellent. Uh, <laughs> Good advice. I, was, I didn't eat lunch like y'all. No, it, it took me a second to try to figure out what he was talking about. He's like pork burger. Pork burger. Have you ever had a pork burger from him? I've had plenty of pork burgers. I don't know if I've had that one. No, I used to right. make some pork burgers. I loved them. For, for those of you all that don't know us uh, personally, you know Lee and I both have lost a significant amount of weight mm -hmm. uh, over our, the course of our lifetimes. Yes. And, yeah, but still are uh, still uh, have the yeah don't have the gut, but still have the still have the desire to eat everything inside. Yes. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Man. And Earlers used to have um, ice cream. Yeah. Up there. Yeah. God, they, they have ice cream at some of the booths. That, yeah. I mean, still, I remember that's one of the things they got last year. And I sampled every kind of coffee you could imagine. They were giving out free coffee shots mm -hmm. of different flavors. And I bet you I had enough coffee shots to fill this gallon jug up right here last year. Dad and I would go and watch Willie Nelson. He played for years. Every year he played at the State Fair. And Mom was, it was at, he was about my age then, so now I can see what he would eat. Every corn dog, beer, <laughs> funnel cake, all the things that mom said you can't have anymore, he would just crush and we go see Willie Nelson. <laughs> Take your heartburn medication to the state fair. Yeah, that's a good advice as well. And that, that big fish sandwich is really good too. Mm -hmm. Like a trout sandwich from the, yeah. All right, guys, we're talking too much food here. Right, sorry. Sorry. Oh, you know what, talking food? I, I, how much more are three as far as Hunter Ed stuff do you got there? I know that I, I don't want to cut you off early. That's okay. That's okay. That was the biggest thing is we're really excited that we now, in addition to our traditional courses and the two paid courses, we also have the free NRA course. Free NRA and course. I really can't begin to thank NRA enough, too. I mean, they invested millions in this course and literally are giving it to us for free. Yeah. They're not asking for anything. Um, we didn't have to sign our, our life away or anything like that. They just said, here it is. I will say, when you take the online course, 
um, you like everything is NRA. Like when you're taking the course, people are wearing camo. It says NRA on it. They're oh, wearing wow. a hat. If they've got a coffee cup, it says NRA on it. So they're getting a little recognition that way. But they, well, that's fine. I mean, I mean, this is really they've been. Um, they said that, you know originally they started as Hunter Education. That was the the beginning of NRA. It was Hunter Education, and this new president that came in wanted to get back to the roots a little bit. Yeah. And they, I mean, over the course of years, invested like I said millions into this and uh, we will be, we are now the ninth, eighth or ninth, I think we're the eighth state to, to adopt this, cool. uh, this free course. And it's something like we've got super talented IT folks at Fish and Wildlife. And I know for sure that they could have come up with this, not to mention super ta talented videographers and writers, uh, exactly. like the people I'm sitting in here with right now. <laughs> I know that with the combined talents of all the people at Fish and Wildlife, we could have done this. but. It literally took them millions and years to do it, and yeah. we just didn't have the time and money to invest. They well, did, and then they gave it to us. So, well, that's super uh, thankful. Sounds like a good investment on our part. Mm -hmm. Yes. To let, yep. yeah, like yeah. somebody else is going to do something and give it to you for free, you might as well take advantage. That's and, right. I mean, the thing about Hunter Ed is, you know, if you're if you're a conservationist, you're a fan of conservation and wildlife, then you want more people to be hunting and fishing. Yes. Because. What's that quote you gave me one time that uh, hunters are the, uh, do you have it on your, e it's on your email <laughs> So give me that quote. Uh, it's a long one. Here we go. Really? Uh, hunters represent a deep connection between man and beast. They are not merely individuals who track animals and slay them for food, but custodians of balance. I like that part, balance. They understand the natural circle of life and death and the part they must play in maintaining it, not simply as researchers, but as active participants. Mm -hmm. So my takeaway from that is that in the whole world of conservation and wildlife management, hunters and anglers are a trappers are a tool. Yes, mm -hmm. you know it's not like, I mean, it's a tool that helps achieve the management and conservation. Right. Mm -hmm. So the more people that are out there doing it, the greater level of control that we have over how you know we manage our our, our resources. And right. They, yep. Think of all the habitat that hunters have paid for, funded, mm -hmm. and yeah. paid for. Mm -hmm. That is. That everyone can enjoy. Not just know? that. I mean, all the. I mean, license dollars are what creates the majority of conservation. I mm -hmm. mean, the majority of wildlife. Um, you know, improvement, habitat improvement, uh, reintroduction of species, management of species, and research. Pretty much all that's paid for by outdoorsmen. Yep. So the more outdoorsmen we have, the more resources we have to. I mean, so ultimately, if you're a fan of wildlife conservation, especially here in the state of Kentucky, then getting more people on board is a goal. Yep. Because it, it's going to help everything out that you care about in that sense. So, so people like to hike, bird yeah. watch and all, you know. Yeah. Yep. A lot of those places they do that were funded by hunters and anglers. You know, that's a good point. Um, Kentucky Wild. I actually got a hat right here. And this is another reason to go to the State Fair. These uh, Kentucky Wild hats, I think that if you sign up at the State Fair, you get a hat. They're good looking addition. Yeah, I love the hat. Country Boy Bre Brewing sponsored it, I believe. Oh, very nice. But um, for those people you were talking about, Lee, who bird watch and hike and like the amphibians and the reptiles and those animals, and they, I mean, a lot of times they're taking advantage of those, advantage of those opportunities on WMAs or or you know other properties that are paid National for. National wildlife refuges. Mm -hmm. Well, hunting and fishing dollars are really what drive a lot of that. But there's a new program, Kentucky Wild. We've talked about it before. That's a program that the department started last year, and it's basically a way for those people who like the non-game species to support the non-game species without having to buy a hunting or fishing license. Correct. So all the money that is raised by Kentucky Wild goes directly towards salamanders, lizards, raptors, songbirds. 
all the species that aren't hunted or fished. So somebody should look into that if they're interested at all. You can join for as little as $25 a year. And you get a bunch of swag. There's some, there's some uh, experiences that they provide for their members where you can come out and you can you know, kind of see hands-on what goes into some of this conservation. So it's a cool, uh, cool program. I'm a member, Kristen's a member, and I know that they're going to have some um, additional promotional type opportunities at the state fair if you go sign up in person there. So just another reason to stop by the Kentucky Fish and Wildlife booth at the state fair. And other free stuff. <laughs> Lots of free stuff. <laughs> I've got to assume we're going to be handing out some kind of swag. Oh, oh yeah, we we give out pencils, <clears throat> trinkets, all that. I used to come home with, my granddad loved the fair, and I'd come home with two big plastic bags. <laughs> I wouldn't have to buy a pencil all year for all the pencils I got <laughs> And I would come home with these magical magazines called, uh, so the early ones were called Kentucky Happy Hunting Ground, and eventually, yeah. you know, before they were Kentucky Field. Kentucky Field. Yeah, so I'd, I'd read every word of in the the guide to the public fishing lakes of Kentucky that Bonnie Dell Laughlin did the very first one. I would that's pour cool. over that. I was like, God, someday I'll get to fish Elmer Davis Lake. You know what I mean? So that's kind of funny thinking about it. So you were a little kid going to the state fair, getting these happy hunting ground magazines and, and dreaming about fishing Elmer Davis Lake. Oh yeah. Cause they were like about the red, red ear subfish and Elmer. I mean, these, these were like big exotic places for a little boy in Bardstown. And, and now fish Fast forward 35 years and now you're here. Yeah, I know. Right in that magazine. Not 35 yeah. years. I exaggerated yeah. that no. a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> not too much. No. <laughs> I am older than Igneous Rock. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> so now, yeah, you're going out to Elmer Davis on uh, on shoots. and yeah, right, uh, I mean, for fun and all. But back then, it was like these exotic, far-off places. It was great. There are some exotic, far-off places I haven't been to here in the state. I mean, you know, I say that. I want to go to the, the Breaks Interstate Park. It's awesome. I know Blue Water Trail there. It's awesome. And they have a native walleye there, I believe, right? Mm -hmm. So I wanted, because Bobby, he's gone out there and he's camped for a week in December and January. Um, and, you know, just by himself, gone out there and camped in a hammock and uh, a walleye fish. So I'd like to go out there when it's warmer. Yeah. Not necessarily. The, yeah. The, the gorge part of that is not to be trifled with. Yeah. Or there's some class three, four, maybe five rapids through there. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, there's one that's borderline class six. Yeah. Uh, it's killed a few people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'll tell you what, that's one thing. But that, from there, from Potter's, what they call Potter's Ford, some people call it Ratliff Hole, down to Elkhorn City is fairly, there's a couple of them that are a little bit hairy, but they're fairly manageable. Through well, that that's a, a place I'd like to go explore. Has good smallmouths, too. And, and for a while, we were stocking trout. I don't know if we still are. I have no idea. I'm not sure. I'm not the guy for that. Um, I mean, but my point is, there are a lot of places in Kentucky that even though I get to travel a I lot and see, see a lot of places for work, and you know, I go on, try to go on little adventures, there are some very diverse places in Kentucky. Mm -hmm. Like if you go from, I was on Ballard WMA not too long ago. And Ballard, I mean, it's like swamps. Mm -hmm. I mean, it looks like somewhere. It's like Louisiana. It looks like, yeah, Louisiana. And then you go over to um, elk country and it's like, you know, just rolling almost mountains and huge hills. And then you can get down into the bluegrass. I mean, there's like four or five different distinct regions of Kentucky and all of them have completely different habitat. You know, that 68 corridor in south central Kentucky in the Highland Rim section, people don't realize that's stunning. Just beautiful. Mm -hmm. uh, the Barren River above the lake, that yeah. kind of region. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's 68, you can go to an old sacred town at South Union. Um, there's just, and it's just beautiful. I mean, northeastern Madison County is beautiful. Sure, yeah, I love <laughs> sure. Madison Looks County. like Ireland. I do love. There's, so you can get on that, uh, what is it, Red House Road? Yeah. It's one of the highest roads in the county, and it's like, Looks like Ireland. Just rolling hills That's as far cool. as you can see. Yeah, Red House That's where I've cool. been. I was, uh, went to dinner last night and went by Lost Fork Road, and that, right. that hooks into Red House. That's the one where the little bridge is, and I think near yeah. where you used to go fish. Yeah. 
Yeah. And you take loss for it, and you come out on 627 by that Dollar General. Sure. Huh. That's very cool. I, uh, yeah, there's a lot of places out there I still need to go see, though. Like I said, that's one of them. But those diverse landscapes going from west to east and east and north to south. And in Kentucky, the reason, you know, we have some of the most diverse animal populations. Mm. I mean, I can't remember who we had on, but we had somebody on. It might have been Laura. Um, Burger? Yeah. That was telling us about, you know, Kentucky is ranked this in number of different animal species, and it's because you go from coal fields to, mm-hmm. to bluegrass mm-hmm. to... And all the karst, you know, we have so much, you know, karst, uh, you know, cavey areas sure. to promote diversity. It's our, our fish species diversity is off the charts. Mm-hmm. We're not the most diverse in the world, I don't think, but we're we're The Green River there. below Green River Lake is one of the most biologically diverse rivers in the world. That's wild. Yeah, Monty was it talking. has species that only exist there. Oh. Well, I th- you know, we had our live calling show the other day, the Kentucky Wild Calling Show, actually. So we had John McGregor, Monty McGregor, and Kate Slankard on to answer questions, right? And that's one of our most popular shows, but a lot of the questions were about things I had no idea about. And it's crazy that working in the department and seeing everything you see, there's still so much info out there. But mm-hmm. Monty brought in a crawfish with him that had, it's a brand new species, they just found it. Don't even have a name for it yet. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're still in the process of describing it. So, you know, writing up, you know, all the details about it. And so there's new species being found all the time. But like you said, the Green River, um, Monty was talking about the mussel diversity. Mm-hmm. So I think he said there's 75 different species of mussels and maybe 15 that are only found in that one location in the entire world. And, wow. and there's some, one I went on a, 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 a chase, I guess you could say, it was really neat, to find some young, uh, what they call, Ovavaria retusa is the scientific name, but people call them the ring pink and they're one of the rarest animals yeah. on earth. And they found a few old ones, and I think another team found a couple of juveniles, but they're just teetering on the brink of extinction. Mm. And the only place they know of any of them still being is Green River. What, wow. are, what are these again? The ring pink. Ring Say pink. the Latin mm-hmm. again. I was impressed. Yeah. Obavaria retusa. Dude, well done. <laughs> well, I mean, when you're with the muscle dudes, they won't give you the common name, so, sure. you know, they, yeah. retusa, yeah. blah, blah, blah. So, you know, yeah. you have to kind of speak the uh, language a little bit. Sure. Because they're trying to throw off the newbies like me. <laughs> it's like, hey, call him, you know, heel splitter. I like that better. <laughs> heel splitter. Or uh, spectacle case. I mean, some of the names for the common names for muscles are funny. I think it's kind of funny when people use scientific names in common conversation. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I feel like maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's a reason for it. But if you're talking to me, about uh, uh, some species, just use a common name. Yeah, that, no, I'm not going to understand I'm, what the... Yeah. Well, the, the problem that I ran into back at the Salado Center when I was working back there for years is how many common names there are for things. And every mm-hmm. once in a while, the only way to really get to exactly what it was was to spout out... That could be true. Elephaeops saleta, the, the uh, black rat snake, you know, that sort of thing, because people call it a black, cow sucker black or a black snake or a cow snake or, yeah. you know, all those different oh, sorts fish of things. Or, you know. Well, that's a Yo, good point. Yeah. During the call-in show, we actually had a question. Somebody called in and they said, I've heard that black snakes will keep venomous snakes away. And when John McGregor was going to answer, he's like, well, I'm not really sure what a black snake is. Right. Because we have, and he named like five different species of black snakes yep. in Kentucky. But So that's a good point, which you make right there. So I get it in that case. Sure. But if you're talking about a 
a garter snake. I don't need the, you know, yeah. six syllable Latin name for it. <laughs> no doubt. And I, I see and people, keep, keep in mind, everybody, he said garter snake, not garden snake. Yeah. You know, I've such thing as a garden snake. G-A-R-T-E-R, garter. Like the article of clothing. My brother got one hung in a break one time. We were driving, going through the woods on a bike and nailed him in the hamstring several times. He got caught up in his handbrake for the 10 speed. Yeah, he was riding it and he was like, I was like, what happened? It was like, bam, bam, bam. We let him go. He didn't kill him. That sounds ridiculous. Yeah, it nailed him. It was fun. I mean, just, it was just, hilarious. I loved it. The snake just wishes that it had killed him. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> didn't well, kill I mean, him. he was scared. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. sure. that's interesting. So, uh, something that you can do right now, I mean, so fishing, hunting, all that good stuff. I want to go catfishing at the falls. But somebody during this calling show also called in and said, right now, when the water's real low at Falls of the Ohio State Park, you know, right there in Louisville, that those fish get caught in pools of water mm -hmm. and there'll be bald eagles out there, you know, all day feeding on them. That's cool. So and there's get... fossils galore at mm -hmm. the falls. That's... that's one of the premier fossil areas in the world. That's so, very cool. Yeah. So my dad used to go and study all of them when he was a kid. Uh -huh. my, my granddad told me stories of what it was like before McCop and Lock Dam came through. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. And uh, it was really neat because it was just basically a big giant, water, you know, big giant rapid. That's cool. That steamboats couldn't I've seen, bust there. I've seen pictures before. Yeah, it's cool. It is cool. I'm going to go back down there and do some fishing soon. Now that I live there, I know I've said this a hundred times, but it's one of the better fishing opportunities around. So oh, it is. It's great. And sauger will start running here in a couple months. October is a great month to go down and catch sauger when I want. Really? I've waited for him and caught nice sauger on little crankbaits. Hmm. You know, they went striper fishing this morning for the show. I was not lucky enough to go on that <laughs> with uh, Bardroff. Okay. Yeah. He told me they might be going. Yep, they went. They got their limits. And well, apparently, he said he's been getting his limits by seven thirty. My yeah. buddy, wow, who I ate dinner with last night, lives up near Conley Bottom, and he's having to run down to camp, basically down to Harmon Creek to get yeah. into fish. Sure. But he's catching more shorts up at that end of the lake. But if you're going to striper fish now, go out near the dam. That's where they're at. Yeah. I would love to go striper fishing again. That is one of my absolute favorite fish to catch and to eat. So, I, mm -hmm. of course, around here, where are you going to get into them at other than the Ohio River? Yeah. So what lakes can you get stripers in Kentucky? Just Cumberland? Cumberland and, and they're in tailwaters. Yeah. Tail now, the hybrids are, are you know, in other, All like Barron and, you know, Taylorsville. 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 Guest. Guest. I've caught one in Guest. It's, it's hard to catch them in Guest. I've seen some good ones come out of there. But... Anyway, so you what, mentioned, sorry, sorry, you mentioned striper fishing, you mentioned Conley Bottom, and mm -hmm. we're talking about Hunter Ed a little bit. Those three things together, just real quick, shout out to uh, Will Conley, uh, who has just retired from Hunter Ed program after 33 years with Fish and Wildlife in the Hunter Ed program. He, uh, he was the Eastern Kentucky Hunter Trainer Officer for 33 years, and before that, he was a counselor at either Wallace or Webb, I think Wallace. So he actually had about 36 years in with the agency when wow. he retired. Wow, 36 so, years. Yeah, I hope he's out there. He's, he loves striper, loves striper fishing. So that's why I mean, when we they're gave on, him a, it's a ball. When, when, a, they're, when they're biting, you know, we had two years ago, my wife and I, she had never caught a striper. We had three people in the boat. We had five lines go down at once. Wham! Right oh, at daybreak. Gosh. So oh. it was pandemonium. It looked like a Bugs Bunny cartoon. <laughs> that sounds like a good recipe to get tangled, too. So it, well, uh -huh. we, we, we end up boating three because two got... Well, actually, got four. We had to hand it. One just got so bad we had to just hand pull it wow. in, and it ended yeah. up being a short. So we put three in a box from five rods going down. That's pretty exciting, though. Mm -hmm. I would like to cast for them more. Yeah, me too. We troll live bait. Well, that's but a, I mean, that's it fun. It's still mm -hmm. fun. You can cast all day and never get hit. You troll yeah. live bait and get your limited at 8 o'clock in the morning. Well, so. you can cast pretty. There's one time a year where you can really target them casting, and that's the L-Wife spawn. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you go down there when the LYs are spawning, you can cast for them. That's April May. Yeah, that's probably your best bet. I'll try to get it on Some that people again. like to throw dollflies in December, too, up because the, they'll migrate up in the creeks in December. Huh. And some people like to throw them on. Benji does that. He throws them on points. Hmm. Well, so what, what have we not hit on so far with you, Brent? Tell me. Um, we, the, okay, the so The stuff coming up. We've got some events coming up with the... Yeah, and the kayak giveaway. I want yeah, to, I just, yeah, yeah. That just popped in my mind because yeah. we're talking about fishing and we've talked about kayaking and stuff like that. we got a free kayak for you if you and want it. And some gear. Yeah, well, it's a, the gear is really nice, too. It's yeah, two paddle. It's two Abu Garcia rod and reel combos. Really nice paddle. Nice PFD. It's a Warner paddle, isn't it? I don't know. It is a Warner. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, the I have kayak. two of them, and they're great. Give us a rundown real quick on what somebody can win. Do you have that? It's I, I don't have it on me. No, it's just it's a it's a values a thousand dollars, but no cash value. To you know, this it price. seems well over a thousand dollars to me. Mm -hmm. You know, if you were to show me all that, if I was on the Price Is Right and that kayak prize package was sitting up there, and they were like, guess the price, Chase, I would not put a thousand dollars. Yeah. I'm thinking Warner Paddle. I mean, they're started one hundred and ten. One hundred and ten for the paddle. The kayak. I mean, I would look at that and say it's a thousand dollar kayak. Yeah, it's a native. Is it a manta ray or is it their newer one? I'm it's not sure. The, it's the new. Isn't it the newer one? It's a perfect I wish size. I it with me. It's I'm a sorry, perfect guys. size kayak. Yeah. You know, I'm just going to pull it up. Tell people how to win while I pull up the package. So, you, you know, the biggest uh, part of my job—not the biggest, but, but one of the biggest parts of my job—is uh, is promoting, uh, getting people out there to to hunt and fish that are adults that have never done it before. Mm -hmm. um, lots and lots of people are willing to teach kids and we need to teach kids, we need to continue to teach kids. Trying to have a push for people also to teach adults. And this that we're doing is a mentor fishing giveaway. We want people to take other people fishing, adult, well 16 and up, licensed buying age people fishing, um, and teach them how to fish, get them, get them hooked. Huh. Uh, so, if you take somebody who hasn't uh, bought a license in the last three years, a fishing license in the last three years, you can go on your My Profile on our website, fw.ky.gov, and then sign into My Profile, and you can enter their license number into My Profile, and that will sign you up for one chance to win this $1,000 or more kayak fishing price package. Um, and every single person you take that meets that criteria gives you another chance at the, uh, at the kayak. So like one of our Hunter Ed instructors the other day, the, the minute we rolled this out on social media, she called me up. She said, Brent, how do I do this? I, and I told her, and she said, great, I have five people I just took the other day. I'm gonna sign them up. So she already had right away, a volunteer Hunter Ed instructor had five uh, five chances, just boom, right off the right off right out of the gate. Um, you've got until the end of August to register in my profile. So again, you've got your fishing license. Yep. They need to buy their fishing license and have not bought a fishing license in at least three years. Um, they need so that means they have to be 16 years old yep. uh, or older. Uh, and uh, uh, I don't know if it's, is it Kentucky resident specific. The web on our website are all the rules and everything. Um, like I said, yeah. no, it's not redeemable for cash. Can't do that. Go, if you go to fw.ky.gov, it's on the banner. It is on yeah. the so big scrolling be, banner. It'll yep. be one of the first things you see, and you can click more and it it's takes a you native to the video. kayak. A native is a good brand. I have well, one. I mean, and I've beaten it. Though. A native kayak, a Werner paddle, mm -hmm. uh, two Abu Garcia rod and reel combos. And uh, what PFD? It's an NRS. I, just, I, I came ill prepared. It's a, it's a nice PFD. PFD. So I mean, it's it's a great package. And there's stuff for the your mentee as well. So you, as the mentor, would win that if you if you want it. 
if you win it, you also get stuff for the person you took fishing also. So not as much as all that. I think it's a, a fishing rod. And, all and this is at the state fair also. I saw yes. Easton loading the kayak up, putting it in the truck the other day to take it to the state fair. So you can see the full package of the state fair. Basically, moral of the story, take people hunting and fishing, mm -hmm. yes. okay? Yes. And stop by the booth at the state fair. Yes. Because I mean, all, almost everything we've been talking about today is going to be available to see or do in some way or another at the state fair. You got the uh, the range portion of the hunter safety course, yep. which is R three related. You got the kayak giveaway, R three related. Yep. You can see all the Kentucky Wild stuff and sign up for it right there. You can also buy your hunting license or fishing license at the state fair. So, stop by that booth if you're at the state fair. It's right off Main Street, right? Mm -hmm. Isn't that what they said? Yes. It's usually a corner booth, kind of right in the smack dab middle of it. I think we've got a big banner or something that hangs from the ceiling. Because I feel like every year when I go to work there and I, I go into the building and I go, okay, oh, where are we? Yeah. And I look up and I can see that banner and I can mm -hmm. go straight towards it with our yeah. Fish and Wildlife logo on it. I yeah. think that's right. And you'll hear, if you get close enough, you'll hear those those uh, air, rifles. air rifle ranges going tink, 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 yeah. tink, tink. So you'll know you're in the... I do love shooting right those air rifle ranges. There's a lot of fun. They have a hunting game set up too, like a... Laser shot. You know, a laser right? shot yeah. type deal where you can... I used to be so good at Area 51. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know the game I'm talking about? Yes. That, that and the Big Buck Hunter game, man. I had all the high scores. But that Area 51 game got my quarters when I was a kid. But I was... I'm telling you, I was good. <laughs> and I saw... You know, there's this whole Storm Area 51 type thing going on right yeah. now. Which is kind of funny. Hopefully it's a joke and nobody sh actually shows up. But there's been a ton of great memes created on Facebook. And it's like, you know, I saw one the other day, it was like, um, I already know the floor plan. It was talking about like, how, I know exactly what to expect. Yeah, it's kind of funny, but anyway, so what else we got? Uh, let's see, we've touched, yes. on, we've touched on a lot and I, I want to circle back to hunting, but I don't want to cut you off with, with all this stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm crazy excited because I'm going to go check trail cameras today. Yeah. So, I've been walking around with a big old smile on my face all day, just waiting. See to which get... ones made it, huh? Well, I think I, I just want to know which ones are in the area, you know, because I, I have a pretty good idea. I was, I saw these deer in, um, you know, January, February, March. So I know they survived last year's gun seasons and deer seasons, and they should be alive, barring no accidents. I got a bunch of buddies who are sheriff's officers in that county, and I got a feeling if one got hit and had to be put down, they would tell me about it anywhere near that property. Sure. I mean, every year when the rut kicks in, I get two or three phone calls from the cops. They're like, hey, just wanted to let you know, buck got hit over there off this road today. Mm. I'm like, mm. oh no, which one? <laughs> and they'll, they'll make me sweat, you know, like, oh, he was a pretty big one. <laughs> Typically it's like a little four pointer or something. <laughs> and my buddy's like doing that to me. All right, what else you got, Brent? Well, so, the, yeah, the kayak giveaway, big thing. Oh, we got some upcoming events uh, for adults. Um, Tell me about they're, they're going to be in the fall, all of our R3 staff. Um, actually, coming up, not even in the fall, this summer, really soon, actually. Um, on August 23rd, in Boone County, at the Boone County Extension Office, we have a hook and cook, which you guys have, have talked to Easton on yep. this show before a couple hook, times. Hook and cook. Um, and for those of you all that haven't listened to the show before and heard Easton talk about it, um, it, it's just exactly what it sounds like. They're going to teach you how to fish, everything from the basics of fish ID and how to what how gear? to string a line and what gear to use. Yep. Um, they're going to take you out to fish, and then whatever you catch, they're going to show you how to uh, how to cook it. And even if you don't catch anything, although you probably will, but even if you don't catch anything, they will have fish there to fillet and cook. Um, we've got a, uh, some mobile fryers, yep. deep fryers we use. So, um, and I can tell you that it's all very user friendly. Me is not really being a cook. 
never having used them before, we had a, an event just recently and, and it just happened to me that I was the only one there that could do it. So I fired up the fryer and just guessed yeah. on how to do it and it was easy. So oh, yeah. go to this, learn how to how to fish and how to, how to eat what you fish. Great thing coming up. Um, two events, two Becoming Outdoors Woman events uh, in the near future. And we the thing about bow weekends is they fill up fast. We so talked a little full. bit to Rachel. About Did you? Yeah. Okay, good. Good. Um, I think that was what September twenty third through twenty fifth or something. So like that? August thirty first is okay. the Beyond Becoming Outdoors Woman Beyond Bow. Okay. Um, kayak fishing, but that one's full. That's in Madisonville, which is close to my uh, yep. hometown of Owensboro. Yep. And then the the big bow, the big September Becoming Outdoors Woman, is um, is September thirteenth through the fifteenth at Camp Earl Wallace. And yep. the um, Olivia Dangler, who is the bow coordinator, yeah. um, she set the, the limit as 85, yeah. and we hit that already. And so she's going out to go to the camp itself and see if we can house more people okay. and have more classes. Um, in years past, some, some of the ladies have brought their own tents and camped out during bow weekends. Mm -hmm. um, and so we do sometimes have the ability to house more people there because people will, will tent camp and stuff like that. Uh, but for right now, it's full. Um, but September 21st at Camp Robert C. Webb in Grayson, Kentucky, um, is our Dove Field to Fork. So the Hook and Cook teaches you how mm -hmm. to fish and how to cook it. Field to Fork teaches you how to hunt and how yeah. to cook it. And I love the Dove Field to Fork because we can almost, almost, knock on wood, guarantee that we're going to get at least one Dove mm -hmm. to show everybody how oh, to Oh, I'm you know, sure that, yeah. 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 I'm really looking forward to Dove season. And and they're people, everywhere. People yes. can go to... Uh, once again, this is the website, uh, fw.ky.gov, and there's a search bar. And if you're interested in anything we talked about, type it in the search bar. Yes. And it yep. will pull it up for you. Mm -hmm. but, if you um, Google Kentucky Learn How to Hunt, yeah. or Kentucky Learn How to Fish, or yeah. Kentucky Learn How to Shoot, yeah. um, it'll it'll come up yeah. with that as well. Yep. So um, we're talking about dove season. I'm super excited yes. about dove season. I know we talked a little bit about that last time. But just now when Brent was talking about the hook and cooks and and um, things like that, learning how to how to fish. I think that's a cool program because it takes you from, you can go in there not knowing anything, and anything. You, can, you can leave knowing how to go out and catch fish, take them home, cook them, right? Clean and cook, which is cool. But I was thinking the other day about how fishing and hunting both, especially fishing, I mean, you can have a lot of fun with, you know, basic knowledge and be great, but the depth of what you can, you know, it's like you could fish your whole life and still be experimenting with stuff mm -hmm. you know when you're 90 years old which mm -hmm. is kind of cool and it's mm -hmm. not like once you got it you're you're good there you can always keep going and keep trying to learn and talking to people is a great way to do it too mm -hmm. a minute to learn a lifetime to master right yeah. all you got to do is get yourself out there catching fish and cleaning and cooking fish and then all of a sudden the huge door just opens for you and yep. you can take it whichever way you want to go you can go try to target specific species on specific waterways and certain conditions and and the thing about fishing is, if you go from one place to the other, or you know, one week different in, in time, I mean, things are going to be completely different. So it's almost impossible to ever get the exact same conditions twice. Mm -hmm. So every time you go, it's something new. That's what makes yeah. it great. Yep. Yeah, it's one thing I love about. It. I probably shouldn't even bring this up because I don't remember the exact quote, but it was uh, something I saw as a video one time, and the guy was talking about all the decisions that have to be made and all the thoughts. You know, that's one thing about fishing. You can go out there. And your mind can just be completely on fishing. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
It's a great escape. Yep. You can, or you can go the other way with it. And you can go out there and actually think about other stuff while you're just aimlessly casting and fishing, and that's but fun you, too. Yeah, that is. But you probably won't catch as many as if you're concentrating. Well, yeah. <laughs> but there's times where it's nice just to chuck a minnow under a bobber and you know talk and yes. you know and then watch on, a bobber. I kind of like catfishing for that. Mm-hmm. That reason, sit down on the bank and cast a couple poles out there and just sit and talk. Sit and and if one goes under, you might have All something. Sudden to do. You're like, oh, 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 hey, hey. come on! It's <laughs> yeah. exciting. Watching yep. a bobber disappear. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how many times you've seen it. Yep. It's still exciting. Yep. That's yep. why I love. I know you hate the float and fly, but I, I still love to fish the float and fly. I like, I like float and fly. It's just because I, I love seeing that bobber disappear. But it's not a bluegill. Yep. <laughs> it's a twenty-inch one. Mm-hmm. That's fun. float and fly is. Uh, I mean, during those months, that's the most effective way to catch them. We've done podcasts before about the float and fly, but. It's a pretty effective way to catch fish. In the, in the winter. You're and familiar with it? The beauty of hunting and fishing, too, is yeah. you can invest as little or as much time as you want, or time and money mm-hmm. as, as you want. I mean, I spend almost nothing on my hunting gear. Uh, you know, I get the, the si- two, two or three sizes too big for me at Walmart and put it on over my existing warm weather clothes or cold weather clothes, cool you know. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you just, and I, I might go out a couple times or I might go out several times during a season, but... You know, it, you don't have to if you don't want to, but Listen, you can if you want to. When, it's I, when great. I got when I got started hunting, I mean, and you could still do this today. I got started for probably a hundred bucks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Went yeah. out and bought a seventy-five dollar used bow that had arrows, and I went and bought some cheap old military camo from the flea market. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I'd say a hundred bucks invested. And That's I, what I hunted in was uh, military surplus oh, yeah. camo. That's what yep. I started in. Yeah. I mean, you don't need the. And I just use the old green jackets from Vietnam. I don't know green pants. Yep. There's something beautiful about this podcast. We don't have any sponsors. So, <laughs> so, yeah. uh, you don't Man, have when to, I was growing up, people would go deer hunting in buffalo plaid shirts and sure. blue jeans. No, sure. that's, a, I mean, one of the truest things. They got them. That shirt you're wearing right now, people mm-hmm. can't see it. It's basically a checkered, checkered blue, green. Colors don't matter that much, but it's checkered. And that would break up your, I mean, to a deer or something. I wouldn't necessarily. Uh, yeah, turkey, 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 turkey million mile away, but yeah. yeah, yeah. But I mean, you can go hunting with a lot less than you might think you need, and you can go fishing with a lot less than you might think you need too. I mean, if you know what type of fishing you're getting ready to go do, like if you're saying, oh, "I'm thinking about going out to a pond and trying to catch this species," or "I'm trying to go to the creek and catch this species," if you ask somebody, there's probably only one or two baits you really need. Mm-hmm. And you know, you could probably find, like the other day, Brian Moore, he was asking me for an all-around fishing pole. I told him, I asked him what his budget was, he told me, and I suggested a six-foot-long, medium-action spinning rod with a like a medium-sized spinning reel, rig it up with eight-pound test. And there's a rod that you can go out and do 90% of the fishing mm-hmm. in the state of Kentucky for. So you don't need to invest a whole lot. There's bank access. Um, people can get into it easier and cheaper than they think they do. They can, I mean. And eBay and things like that, too. You know, you oh, can yeah. get high-end equipment that's used. Facebook Marketplace, yeah. yeah. I was going to say Facebook. Facebook Marketplace is something that I've, I've never bought or sold anything off of, but I find myself scrolling sometimes. Sure, yep. Do you yep. get on there? You look, you can see bows on there every once in a while and go, well, you oh, can that search. might be, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's probably, I didn't, one time I got on, no, where was I? No, I, I had something stolen from me, and I was searching, trying to find sure. it, and I never did. But yeah, Facebook Marketplace is kind of cool. I find myself, because it'll tell you when one of your friends has posted something for sale. Yes. Yeah. Then I'll always find myself clicking on it, and then I find myself aimlessly scrolling through everything for sale within 17 miles of Frankfort, Kentucky. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know? yeah. So that's just how that goes. But. My uncle just sold his gator. I, we, my, my cousins and I hunt on, on uh, farmland in Davis County, Kentucky, uh-huh. and... and uh, 
my uncle just sold his gator and so it's i mean we're talking about a lot of acreage and he doesn't like us and we, we so we don't of course we, we don't drive on it uh -huh. uh, because he doesn't like us to drive on it but the, but the gator was always free game we could do that without causing ruts and stuff you yeah. know and it's a long way to walk and it's a long way to haul a deer and so oh. now like i've been on facebook marketplace looking for atvs and stuff <laughs> i can't afford a new atv i can't afford a used atv but i'm yeah. tempted you know yeah, there's uh, a bunch of new atvs over in that storage building you yes there are grab yeah. one if you needed to <laughs> <laughs> For anybody listening, we can't do that. That's unethical. <laughs> Chase is just kidding. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying that. Yeah, I was like, welcome. yeah, I'm not over here. I, I think everybody knew I was joking. I, uh, it's, the, it's the management in me now. I used to joke around like that too. Uh, <laughs> manage it'll, management will beat it right out of you. Well. <laughs> oh well. So, like I said, uh, gonna go check trail cameras today. Get ready for hunting season myself. Gonna try to make a few more good fishing trips before it kicks in because. Because when it kicks in, I'm not going to be able to go fishing as much. Did I just, I got a text message and something caught my eye. So did I say that when hunting season rolls around, I'm not going to be able to fish as much? Is that mm -hmm. what I said? Okay, yes. Because okay. yep. for some reason after I said it, I was thinking to myself, did I just completely say that wrong? Mm. Oh, anyway, I'll still go fishing, but not nearly as much. Last year, did I tell you about my hook and cook last year? Did I? No, no, my hook and cook, you got me all mixed up with my words. Mm -hmm. My uh, surf and turf last year. I'll tell you about that trip. Mm. So last year I decided I'm gonna have a goal here. I'm going to, in one outing, kill a deer and catch a fish. So I took my bow and my fishing pole to the creek and I sat there next to that creek and I've waited and as soon as I shot that deer, cause I caught a deer crossing the creek, shot it. And uh, I was like, all right, give that thing 30 minutes. I'll just fish. So I caught my smallmouth, and I was like, Deer and fish. There you trip. go. There you that's go. That's pretty sweet. No I, did, I did screw up a little bit. The only bait I took with me was a Zara spook, and that's not my favorite bait for 4.30 in the afternoon creek mm -hmm. fishing. So no I had to put a little extra work into it, but it was fun. That's cool. That's yeah, very cool. The, I put that video on YouTube, but it was a, yes, a uh, Kentucky surf and turf is what I called the very video. Nice. If, yeah. I, if only I would have kept the, the fish, but I couldn't bring myself to keep a 15-inch smallmouth out of the creek. Well, was it oak one? Yeah. Well, it's in the slot anyway. Oh, well, see. I've never, <laughs> I've never, I've never kept one. So, no, no, so uh, you yeah. don't think it's, I never keep them at all. So I don't even consider it a slot. There are fish I will keep. I mean, if I catch a, a perfect size catfish, it's mm -hmm. getting it's getting kept. If I catch any keeper crappie, it's yeah. getting, it, you know. Mm -hmm. yeah. The same thing goes for white bass and hybrids and stripe. I just, and sauger, sauga. I mean, those fish just, they find their way back to my house with me somehow. <laughs> yeah. You know, this is something else. Talk to, uh, Jeff Crosby, our fisheries, he's, he's high up in fisheries here. The regional fisheries Central biologist. fisheries district biologist. Thank you, yes. Um, Super knowledgeable. Yes. So he was telling me that people just don't keep fish enough. You know, just like we talk about mm -hmm. harvest for, let's say, deer and turkey and all the, all the game species, squirrels, to help manage population numbers, harvest limits are in effect for fishing for the same reason. Because, you know, to keep a fishery, especially a lake or a pond, in, you know, the best condition possible, you need to harvest certain yes. species. And there needs to be that rotation of, of age classes going through there. And so people need to keep more fish. I know everybody, there's a stigma about keeping mm -hmm. whatever your favorite species of fish is, whether it's musky or largemouth or smallmouth or crappie or whatever it is, people never, they always want to knock on people who keep fish, you know. But the truth is, 
keeping fish is part of management. It mm -hmm. is. You know, and there's there's a reason that those limits are are what they are. Yes. So I have no hard feelings about keeping fish. Some people get what about bass. Bass. I I just I have a preferred fish. Spotted look. bass. I'll hammer one of those quicker than you can say Jiminy Christmas. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> not delicious. It's not that I don't keep bass and all those fish. Because I, I, I think largemouths taste like grass. That's just me. Mm -hmm. See, that's what I'm saying. It's mm -hmm. not that I have something against it. It's that I have preferred fish to eat. Right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Like if I go to a farm pond that's just completely overpopulated with bass, I there keep bass. Yep. Yeah, but um, I mean, I, if I'm going to go through the trouble of, you know, carrying a fish around with me, a lot of times I'm in my kayak or waiting. So if I'm going to go through the trouble of keeping a fish on a stringer or with me, and then taking it home, taking the time to clean it, it's going to be something that I, I like to eat a lot. Sure. And that's sure. why I named off crappie. Bluegill, uh, red ear, sauger, saw guy, wall, walleye, saw whatever you know the Maroni species, mm -hmm. the the yellow uh, perch I could take you late. Well, I was gonna say Great. all perch species. So the perch species, the Maroni bass species, and, and sunfish, the sunfish species, and then crappie. Do crappie fall? On I keep a few trout every once in a while. Trout, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love trout. Yeah. I mean, it's easy. We just put gut them. Uh, I lost a, some. Uh, beverages on a fishing trip in a bet because my friends many say i'm gonna eat this trout tail i was like you're not gonna eat that trout tail that's nasty but when you cook them they're like a burnt potato chip and he's like he ate all the, all the tail and then he ate the fins off of them so i lost six pack of uh, beverages i'm gonna have to think uh, about trying to because i cook trout kind of like they just were, taste like that brown you know the one potato chip that's brown yeah, and burnt. yeah that's what they taste yeah. like I, uh, when i cook <laughs> trout and like i said trout's one of my favorite fish to catch and keep especially when catch and keep season goes into effect for them. Mm -hmm. Because all those waterways that we start trout in through the winter, when catch and keep season comes in, that's because they're probably gonna die. Yeah, they're right. not gonna yes. make it through. Right. So, so if there is ever yep. a fish to go out there and catch and keep, it is trout, is it April 1st or June April, 1st? Uh, March 31 is the end of acceptance, Swift Camp Creek, and it goes to May 15th. Yeah. That's so in the gorge. April 1st, go down there to wherever your favorite trout stream is. And, and hammer just, them. Just start hammering yep. them, take home five at a time. And I'm telling you, if you just uh, I cut the head off, mm -hmm. and I cut a slit down the belly, and I gut them, mm -hmm. so then I have the empty body cavity, right? Yeah. And you can put whatever kind of vegetables or whatever you want in there. Some people put lemons in them. Yeah, I was mm -hmm. going to say, I take lemon juice or lemon pepper seasoning, and I go over the outside with them, roll them in tinfoil, and bake them at 350 for about 12 minutes. Mm -hmm. And then I just open it up, and you got this nice little steak up top, like a, it's almost like a backstrap off the fish, and you got all this really good meat around the ribs mm -hmm. and, and the back. It's good, man. I already had lunch. I'm getting hungry. <laughs> it's one of my, it, I swear. We'll, we'll take real butter and just rub it on yeah. them and yeah. adobo uh. seasoning and some garlic and some lemon pepper and make a a, um, a pan out of tin, aluminum foil. And then that way you can throw it away and not do dishes and yeah. uh, put that in there and cook them. I think yeah. 375 for about 15. Uh, that way. I, I think it's somewhere. Because you're not getting the steam effect you would if you wrap them up. Yes, yeah, so I wrap be, them in, in tin foil. And, they're, and they get a little bit of a crisp on them and they're. It's Fabulous. delicious. I mean, it smells bad, but it is delicious. I'm ready for April 1st now. Mm -hmm. Just exactly what you said, too. I mean, so we've hit on it a couple of times. So many species, all the species we manage for just about that we hunt or fish. When we're hunting or when we, when we as managers are setting these numbers, we're looking at a couple of things. One is a population overpopulated or not. But two, we look at something called compensatory mortality. We take out the species in, or the, the individuals in the fall. The, the right number of individuals in the fall that were probably going to die through the winter anyway mm -hmm. from freezing to death or from starvation because there's less food availability or, or whatever. You know, it's one of those things that we as managers look at is compensatory yeah. mortality. So we will, yeah. get out there and, and do it. You're, you're, you're being an important part of wildlife management by getting out and hunting and fishing and actually harvesting. Yep. 
I completely agree. I'm going to start harvesting very, very soon. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, I, bow season can't get here soon enough. Uh, dove season will be here in, what, 17 days? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, so dove season comes in September 1st. Yeah. Uh, bow season comes in on September 7th. 7th. Mm-hmm. Crossbow September... It's three weeks later. 20, mm-hmm. yeah. 21st, 22nd? 21st, so 20th. maybe two weeks yeah. later. I, you know what, i got a calendar. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. It won't be on there though. Because Look how it wasn't long it's passed. been since Brooks has, has switched his uh, mm-hmm. calendar. January. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. His calendar set I, on January. But anyway, lots of hunting season com- coming up. Uh, you need your hunter ed card if yes. you're going to go. Brent yeah. just told you how to get it. Yes. All those different options. Check that out. Swing by the state fair. Join Kentucky Wild. Go hunting and fishing. Take a kid hunting and fishing. What am I missing? Sign up for the Hook and Cook in Boone County on August 23rd. There's one in the County, too, the Field of Fork. We didn't will, yeah. Yeah. We did, yeah, we didn't get to the, so sign up for the Dove Field of Fork uh, on September 21st at Camp Webb, or sign up for the Deer Processing Field of Fork class, which won't be the whole hunt and everything, it'll just be the processing part, on December 14th at the Woodford County Extension Office. Yeah. And all that is on our website. Yep, and like I said, I, you know, I, I never... I kind of think the people who listen to the podcast are probably people who hunt and fish, mm-hmm. but I've gotten feedback from a lot of people before that say, you know, I heard about that program on the podcast and I signed up for it or nice. I decided to take another. Nice. So my point is, even if you already hunt and fish, think about the people around you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Think about your buddies or yep. the, I, a lot of people have that friend who tells you, you know, I'd really like to go hunting sometime. Maybe you should take me and it you know seems like things are so busy that it's hard to take people hunting sometimes but you can always refer somebody to one of these programs also mm-hmm. like yeah. I'm, we we need mentors for the dove field to fork yeah. now you'll have to be signed up as a hunter ed instructor we'll have to background check in all that kind of good stuff but we need mentors for the dove field to fork so even if you don't want to sign up as a participant yeah. there's an avenue for you to help us teach people how to dove hunt as well yeah. so yeah. we need them we need people out I there think helping Sankster's signing up to be one of is he perhaps yeah. I mean, he's yeah. already hunter ed certified too so sure well right. he's a department employee that's a little different as well like we okay. all we get Background checked and all that kind of stuff. Do I get background checked? Oh yeah, I all say, of us well, did when we got hired. I did. I'm, I'm oh, I got hired. Yeah. Nineteen years ago, right? Yeah. Guess yeah. when I was in the Hell's Angels, it didn't show up. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were about alias then, for sure. Yeah, right? I did. Yeah. <laughs> Lee Brockenstein was my name back then. Brockenstein. <laughs> um, one quick little tip: when you're buying shells for dove hunting. You know, everybody likes to get those hundred packs that are cheap, and they're cheap for a reason. Spend a little more money. A lot of people see a target load and they think, well, that's only for targets. No, that means like a Winchester AA, for example, Remington SDS. A dollar more per box will give you a lot more performance in the field over those cheap hundred packs. So Interesting. And, um, and also, in heavy field load, especially if you shoot 20 gauge, I love a heavy field load that has at least one ounce of shot. Try to get as much shot as you can because the more you put on the bird, the quicker it's going down. Sure, sure. If, if you use the little cheap seven-eighths ounce and, and you puff it in the butt, it may fly a ways and then perish. Right. You want to fold that bird and put them down and better loads will help you do that. Yep. The closer right. the better because, I mean, lost birds are an unfortunate part of It's part of it. Mm-hmm. You will lose birds, especially if you're hunting around standing corn or standing beans mm-hmm. because, I mean, it's just un- unavoidable. I will say this. Uh, dove hunting... I, th- I still think deer hunting might be the best way to introduce a kid to hunting. I mean, really, it could be anything, depending on how you do it. Mm-hmm. Rabbit hunting would be a little hard. Yeah. Dove hunting is an- another good opportunity. Because you can shoot all the time. Yeah. You can see your stuff, you can shoot it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. When, yeah, you get multiple shots. The kid's going to have fun. You know, there's going to be action, <clears throat> most social. likely. Yeah, it's social. You can talk. Don't yeah. got to be quiet. Don't yeah. got to wear camo. 
you can it's smell not cold. Bad. You can take snacks with you and yes. eat whatever your favorite food is. Yeah, you know, and it's it's a social I suggest you do. Yeah. <laughs> it's as much of a social occasion in a lot of yeah. places in yep. Kentucky than it is. A, well, it's a great opportunity to teach uh, gun safety too, because obviously when you're deer hunting, it's it's easy. But you know, I've been in the stand with a lot of people who have been taking kids for the first time. I've taken kids for the first time, and I will say, most of the time, I have that gun on my shoulder. And I hand it to them when they're in position, you right. know, in a safe spot. And that's how most parents or mentors do it. When you're dove hunting, I mean, it, you're going to have to be on the kid a little bit more about, hey, watch your watch your gun, watch your barrel. Don't you know, shoot low no, birds. No low birds. Finger and off the trigger. Finger, finger off the trigger. Finger off the trigger. <laughs> but my point is, if you're if you're being more interactive like that, it's it's teaching better. Yes. You know what I mean? Because if that kid actually has that gun in their possession and you're just right there next to them, because I think what's the rule? You got to be able to control it if need within be. arm's length yes mm -hmm. yeah. yeah but you can teach gun safety a little bit better in a situation where you got to be on top of it a little bit more yep so yep. good opportunity to take kids out look into the youth dove hunts the mentor program all that stuff's going on right now everything we just talked about i don't really have anything else i want to hit on and it's about time to wrap this bad boy up anyway so how long have we been talking i don't i didn't re well actually a long time. A long time. <laughs> I think oh, yeah. Sorry, folks. We're all a little chatty. I think it's mm. 71 minutes, according oh. to this. Yeah. Um, but I might, some of that was the front end of the conversation, which sure. will have to be cut off. Wow. I will start it when I say go. <laughs> um, anyway, so I appreciate you coming on, Brent. Uh, anything else you want to throw in real quick, or do we cover it? No. Thank you for having me, both of you guys. I love, I mean, I'm, I'm a little biased because I do work at Fish and Wildlife, but I love listening to the podcast. I know I was telling Lee this the other day. I have to travel a lot for work these days to and from the summer camps. Yeah. And I have the podcast on my phone in my cup holder just yeah. listening to it. It's, it's, I love country music, but you can only listen to the same song so many times mm -hmm. over and over. Yeah. Podcast, love it. So thank you guys, and you're doing and, a fantastic you know, people, job. Oh, good. We, we do get it. feedback sometimes, but if you have feedback, if somebody has feedback, even if it's bad feedback, you know, tell us what we can do better. Tell us what you'd like to hear about, what you want to hear about. Like, I mean, when topics get suggested to me, those are my favorite topics to talk about because sure. I know that's what people really want to hear about. Mm -hmm. yep. So you can shoot, you know, uh, Kentucky Field a message on Facebook. You can shoot me a message on Facebook or Instagram, however you want to do it. I, I'll see all those messages from Kentucky Field Facebook and Kentucky Field Instagram. So, you know, give us some feedback if you feel like it and appreciate everybody listening. Thank you guys for your time. Mm -hmm. Thank you.